Fan Morning Show, final hour here. Keep the text coming on the text line, 590-590. Please include your name and location. Very, very happy to welcome in our next guest, head coach of the Columbus Blue Jackets, a man we know well in these parts, Mike Babcock. Mike, thanks so much for jumping on this morning. How are you doing? I'm doing great. How about yourself? Yeah, we're doing well. Uh, well, you know, I, I deal with mornings a little better than my co-hosts here, but both of us are happy. Uh, we're, as, uh, uh, as uh, a guest have told us, uh, this side of the, the ground, uh, better than the other. So I, we're doing well. I've heard Mike was an early to the, really, really, really early to the rank kind of guy. So I think he's going to give me zero sympathy for being <laughs> sour in the morning. <laughs> you know what, though? I got to tell you, my wife's got a new pup here, the Golden right. Doodle. And so every day it's about a half hour earlier than you want it to be. That doesn't make me very happy. I got to tell you the truth, but. During during the season, it's a little bit earlier. You get in there, get your workout. You got to get your work done before the players get in. So you got to be there pretty early. Yeah, that's uh, that that's well said. And it's, it's it is funny, right? Re- regardless of what time you're getting up, if it's any earlier than it has to be, usually nobody's thrilled uh, about, about that. <laughs> Even if it's a cute little dog uh, w- waking you up there. So, I mean, Mike, there's a lot to talk about. I think. Uh, I think one of the biggest questions people have, there was a lot of talk uh, surrounding your exit from Toronto about, and then during your time away from the league about changes you had made or you needing to change. I did not work with you. I'm not going to pretend to have insight to any of that. Do you feel that you needed to change and do you feel like you have? Well, the first thing I would say to you is I answer these questions over and over again, and I'm happy to do that in saying that I got nothing to hide. I'm not trying to hide from anything I've ever done. I think it's important you own any mistake you've made and you try to get better. But I think all of us embrace lifelong learning. You're trying to be a better husband. You're trying to be a better dad. Hopefully one day I get to work on being a better grandfather. Uh, You know, so you're trying to be a better coach. You're trying to be a better person. I've really, to me, the last three and a half years have been a gift from God. And what I mean by that is my wife and I and my family, we found so much joy in doing the things you love to do. And when you're in the rat race like I was for a long, long time, I think sometimes you're just spinning so fast you don't realize. You know, I talked to Trotsy yesterday. We had to rank together. And and he said the same thing is you enjoy that time to breathe a little bit, and then you can get outside your body and have a look at who you are and say, hey, these are things i got to improve. Yeah, I think that's, that's, that is fair, and, uh, you know, I think, I, I think we all would agree with that, the idea that you do want to, I mean, we all try to get better, and like you said, whatever it is, you know, we try to get better at this, you try to get better as a, as a coach, specifically with hockey. Do you think that you have kind of seen things, your philosophy has changed at all? I mean, I'm not going to pretend the game has changed a ton in the two or three years, but the game's changing every year. Uh, how much have you kind of seen a change in your tenure throughout coaching and, and in the time you've been away? Well, I mean, it changed drastically. I mean, you know, I say to people all the time, what won at the 2010 Olympics couldn't win at the 2014 Olympics. It just doesn't work like that. It's ever-changing. And so, you know, I've been fortunate. In fact, I was involved with Vermont and I fault at the U of S. My son got into coaching, and so suddenly I broke down every playoff game with my son over the last three years. And so instead of me having an opinion on the game, all you do is you look at what wins. So... What power plays the best? What four checks the best? What tracks the best? What sort outs and D zones are the best? And and then you you look at the teams like Tampa and, and Vegas and Colorado over the last four years, and you say to yourself, what do they do better than everybody else, and why are they having success? So to me, those are the changes in the game. Is there some fads that come and go? Yeah, a different neutral zone four check, a different cycle in the O zone. Yes. What are constants that lead to winning and having success? 
And everybody's got their theory on that. Obviously, I have my own. Oh, yeah, sorry. I did sound like you got cut off there, Mike. Sorry, no. I just, I got to ask, you know, looking back in your time in Toronto, and we'll get to Columbus here in a second, I just, I have to ask, is there, is there one thing that sticks out to you about the joys of being in Toronto and on the other side of it? Is there something that you look back on and you wish you could change? Like, just your overall experience being the coach in Toronto. Like, I haven't got a chance to talk to you. I haven't heard from you much. Like, how do you look back on it, Mike? Well, I love it. I mean, I love my opportunity there. I mean, we went there with a plan. Obviously, we were able to acquire... Um, Austin Matthews, we already had real good players in Riley and Delander and Marner. Uh, you know, when I look at the team, we acquired John Tavares. When I look at their team now, you know, when I coached uh, there, when we played Boston or Washington, their best guys were men and were better than our best guys. If you look at Toronto now, their best guys are are the best in the East. They're just that good. And so they built a real nice franchise. If you think about things in Toronto that are spectacular, fans are absolutely spectacular. The love of hockey is spectacular. All the other activities in Toronto, the the restaurants. uh, I mean, I just thought that part was spectacular, uh, to say the least. Uh, You know, when I went there and signed an eight-year deal, I thought I'd probably get five years in. I got four and a half years in. Uh, (laughs) All the time I was in Toronto, I enjoyed it. Do I like uh, the way I was talked about when I left? No. Do I think uh, I did anything wrong? Absolutely. Uh, but in our business, you, what are you going to do? Uh, when you leave, you're gone, and someone else comes in and replaces you, and you wish them luck. Uh, do I wish they had won the couple, couple times? Or it made it easier for me they didn't. And saying all that, those guys are good guys. They played hard for me. I enjoy them. And so you wish them success. Yeah. So looking ahead to Columbus here, Mike, I mean, what excites you about this new opportunity? You've obviously been away for a little while, like we've been talking about, but you're one of the more accomplished guys. What excites you about going into a situation like Columbus? Who's been who's had a tough stretch here? Let's, let's, let's be honest. Well, what I tell you is it's two hours and 45 minutes from my house. So I'm looking at the water right now in Michigan, (laughs) and I can get there in a heartbeat. It's 90 minutes from my hunting farm, so I don't have to give up my life. And what I mean by that, the one thing about Toronto, when you're trying to go outside and go water skiing in the course with McClintock out there, it it takes you an hour and a half to get out and three to get back in. And so you stop doing other things. And and I'm a big believer, I don't know what you guys think about this. When your job is one like ours, if you can have something you love to do and you can do it for a bit and you don't think about hockey, that's the greatest thing you can do to freshen up. So if you think about it, Nick Lidstrom, the best player I ever coached, you think he went home and thought about hockey? (laughs) He went home and hung out with his kids and his wife. and the, The guy who's on the fourth, fifth line, and it isn't going very good. You think he's thinking about hockey? Yeah, he's coming back. It's been spinning in his head all night. He's exhausted when he gets back in. It's the same for coaches. So to me, one of the things about Columbus that was very attractive, it worked for my wife and I. Yeah, you're, uh, it's funny you say that because you're talking to two guys who are about two hours removed from the tea time they have after today's show. So no, we very much understand the idea of uh, work-life balance, Mike. Uh, we definitely... <laughs> 
You can't talk about that. You sure can. Either one of you be any damn good is the uh, question. Yeah, uh, uh, he's okay. Yeah. I uh, let me let me put it this way: as a coach, you'd be very disappointed in uh, my coachability. <laughs> I think it's probably the safest way we can uh, we we can say that. Um, you know, you you quickly mentioned uh, earlier uh, coaching at the Olympics. I imagine, like, I'm not going to ask you to rank it. I imagine that is very much up there with the highlights of your career. What do you think the game has lost by not having best on best mm. for so long? I mean, even go back to the World Cup of hockey and it was fun. I, I enjoyed it. I went to a ton of those games, but having the all-star team and the Europe team, it didn't quite make it feel uh, the, the same. What do you think the, the league or not, not, not even the league, the sport has lost out by not having best on best? Well, I mean, they're going to, they're going to go back to that. Like, you know, for me, obviously I'm thrilled. I got to be involved in tons of it. And so uh, anytime you're at those events, if you're a sponge and the players are and the coaches are, you're getting better. I mean, uh, whose idea was it? Was it Joel Quinwell's? Was it Kenny Hitchcock's? Was it uh, Lou Julian's? Was it Barry Trotz's? Was it like, I, I can't even think of all the guys. Not a bad room. Lindy Rupps, all these guys. <laughs> no, it's unbelievable. And so best idea wins. And so, you know, everyone always thinks about, okay, we're going to do it. My, no, you're not. Who's got the best idea? Let's do it that way. If someone in your field is doing something better than you, R&D, Robin do. Take it, make it your own, get better at it. That's, that's the way it is. So when I look at the Olympics best on best, like the Stanley Cup, and I don't know if you watch it, I just saw uh, on NHL.com Chandler Stevenson surfing at Emma Lake. Well, I know exactly where the cabin is. I know exactly where we're surfing. Cause, you know the kid, but his name's on it. That means his dad's name's on it. Yeah. So that trophy is the coolest thing you can ever, ever imagine. And saying that, my family was there, and they were little kids at the 2010 Olympics. It's in Western Canada. I'm a Western Canadian guy. You can feel the pressure of the nation, but you can feel the joy of the nation and how much they're with you. And you get to experience that with Canadians. It's hard for me to believe there's something better than the Olympics. So the way I look at it, Get involved in both, win them both. You don't have to decide what's best. But, you know, the reality is is, is any time – I tell this all the time. The greatest – one of the greatest joys in my life outside my family and my kids or my wife and my kids is being involved in hockey. And saying that, you've had all these experiences. Winning a national championship at the University of Leopards with the Pronghorns. I don't know if you can have more fun than that. <laughs> So I got to ask, you've been talking about the work-life balance and you've had some, some non-work time here. What was your favorite thing you did in the time you were off, Mike? I mean, I know you love to hunt. I know you like to travel. Like, was there one thing you did that sticks out in that time? You know, it's, it's unbelievable. Now we have the hockey season. So yeah. my life's back to the hockey yeah. season. But when, when I was not in the game, we had three seasons. We had the hunting season. We had the downhill ski season. My dad was a downhill ski instructor, mm -hmm. so I started skiing. Early. He thought I was going to be an Olympian. You know, so hardcore downhill skier, and then I ski in the course, water skiing all the time. I'm looking at it right now. <laughs> and so those were the three seasons, and you just go from one to the other. Actually, it was about six months ago my wife said to me, you better get a job. I never see you anymore. <laughs> I think most guys that retire, the wife looks at him and says, you better get a job. You're driving me crazy. That wasn't the case in our house. 
Oh, that's uh, that is hilarious, and uh, it sounds like you want to get out on that lake. So I won't I won't keep you too long. But you're a family man; you'll appreciate this. I read my kid every night a book about the Golden Goal and Crosby scoring it. Like it is a thing yeah. that is passed down through generations, uh, and you'll always uh, always be a part of that. So, uh, Mike, I, uh, I I can't thank you enough for the time. We will uh, we'll let you get on the lake. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. You guys have a great day and hit it straight, man. Yeah, there he goes. Mike Babcock. Yeah, that is now, please clip that. Yep. That is a drop on the golf show. That is. That is absolutely <laughs> a drop on the golf show. I'm not joking, Andrew. You better clip that. Uh, that was awesome. So takeaways. Um, you can hear in his voice. I mean, listen, that's, it's a thrill to talk to Mike Babcock. Mm-hmm. You know, when he picks up the phone, that guy is one of the biggest stars. Do in- you want to know the last time I talked to him? Yes. I uh, was having a pop in a Boston pizza and this would have been orange when, crush. Uh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Okay. Uh, it's actually the one like right around the corner. Oh, I don't yeah. know if it still nope. exists. Oh, I know, the, I know okay. where it used to be at least with our buddy Andrew Walker. Oh yeah. And uh, he was just sitting there. It was, oh, it was like because yeah. it was like a this. weird time in the day. So it was just like yeah, two o'clock in the afternoon. We, was he having a pop? Uh, yeah, I feel like he was. I I, like I can't definitively say, but I mean the sound you, of that man's voice. I was going to say that that guy <laughs> yeah. is probably having a pop. Uh, and yeah, it was just like that was very early on in the career because I was yeah. like I don't have the clout to do this, mm-hmm. but our buddy did, and uh, yeah, that so that was the uh, last time. Nice little bookend to that because I think Mitch Marner was playing in that World Juniors, and now Mitch Marner is uh, on the Leafs. So yeah, good little bookend. So there. I, you know, I. Tried to be nice with not being like, hey, man, do you regret the list thing? Yeah. But I, I gave him a chance to talk about what he liked first and yep. some of the regrets. And I thought it was interesting to hear him say how aware of how he mm-hmm. how aware he was of the way people talked about him when he left. Yep. And I thought it was interesting that, you know, that he didn't like it, but he seemed to have an understanding of it, right? Like, I get, I, I guess that you can be... You can two things can be true if you're Mike Babcock, totally. where you're pissed off about the way that people are talking about you and how you know you're an accomplished guy. You're obviously a very prideful guy, and that everyone thinks you're no good at coaching anymore because the Leafs have completely quit on you, right? Like mm-hmm. that that the way that ended was not pretty, really ugly. But like, yeah, he just ask Casimir Kaskasu. I think he, I think he gets it. Like if I'm talking to him, you know, he still sounds like Babs, but I think he's pretty aware of the way his reputation has gone and. Yeah. yeah, I think I think the biggest takeaway to me is that he is clearly, you know, like, and he's talked more directly, specifically about the list thing. I don't need think we need to go back to that. But this is clearly a guy who has changed. He's evolved. Again, you hear him what he said. I said he was going to say that when we talked about this at six, yeah, that he's constantly evolving. And guess what? Of course he's going to do that. But he's also, he is a proud, accomplished guy who's not going to stand up on his soapbox and say, I'm sorry, 30,000 yeah. times. It's like, he has addressed this with everyone he feels yeah. he needs and to. And you ask him about that, he's like, oh, I've answered this question literally a thousand times, but, but let you me had to ask one it. more. Yeah. And he, and again, he's a big boy. Yeah, he, he can gets handle it. it. Yeah. And the other thing that stuck out to me, and it shouldn't come as a surprise to anyone, but is the reverence he has for the job that he had here. Mm-hmm. And it goes back to what we talk about with Gudis. And like, not everyone has to feel that way, but you should. It's funny, eh? The restaurants. Yeah. Always a thing. Always. Kawine and dine. It's just like restaurants here, they slap, as yeah. the kids say. They hit. Well, and again, like, you know, no shots to uh, to like all the other wonderful cities and towns and provinces. But it's like, you know, even me, like I'm out in Burlington and I come here. I'm like, oh, this global palette but I have you available get to me. The best everything, every cuisine in the world here. Yeah. So no matter where you're from, you live in Toronto, 
you're going to be able to get that thing, and it's going to be elite. That's yep. what's amazing. That's one of the amazing things, and people always mm-hmm. bring it up. It's funny, but. What and how think? how much was he dying to get on the lake? He oh, brought he's it like, up like three he's times. He's like, I'm looking at the lake, lake, yeah. lake, lake, lake. He's like, the lake. Uh, but question for you. Yes. If you're a Columbus Blue Jackets fan. Oh, okay. And he's like, ah, I like it because it's close to home. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you would have you, you liked to have heard the, the name Kent Johnson. No, he did not name No, no, I know. That's the thing. It's like, you would have liked to have heard, I'm going <laughs> to unleash this line A character and it's like, I understand what it is. That is just a super honest answer. But you're right, actually. I, that honestly, because I want to be clear, I don't ever want to put myself in the headspace of what if I was a Columbus Blue Jackets fan? That sounds like among the least fun things I could possibly do. Uh, we had Aaron Portsline yeah. on, uh, on Kipper and Bourne. I forget why. Maybe they were coming to town. Or sounds about right. There was some news or whatever. And remember that year? They, who'd they beat in the playoffs? That one year was it? Pittsburgh? You know what I bet it was? You were hot Gavrikov talk. Maybe. But they beat Pittsburgh. They beat someone once in the playoffs. Okay. And Oh, the Leafs in five games. Wow. That's not doesn't count. Like I said, those ones don't count. <laughs> the loss counts, let me tell you. No, it doesn't count. <laughs> no one ever throws that in the Leafs' face. Like they throw I like, throw that no, in. No, but their like face. When, a, when a Leafs fan is getting yeah, chirped, yeah. Yeah. it's always Boston, Montreal. Montreal. It's Boston, like yeah. that's not even in a lexicon. That never happened. No, but to me it did. Okay. It's very real. Very real to One me. of the greatest comebacks in franchise history, yeah. by the way. Cool. Uh, spoiled by a yeah. dud of a game yeah. five. Shocker. Um, okay. I just started ADD. That's got a okay. horrible time. Columbus. But and... no, but like, I just, yeah, I have to read this text. I can't, okay. I, I can't continue. I, I know Toronto has by far the first worst food in Canada, and it's not close. We don't order from this city anymore. Why do pe- people from Toronto think the food is good here? I mean, you're just wrong. What are you talking about? Uh, yeah, I got nothing on them and uh, didn't sign their name because they're a coward. So this is what it is. The ta- the Jackets swept Tampa. Ah, that's right. And Aaron Portsline, they call that the glory year. <laughs> you know what? I was listening in the car or just listening to the pod because I told you it's my favorite show on the station. And Thank I you. do remember hearing that. And uh, it's like, oh, when they went to the cup. Fo- like, it's like, no, if, the you, glory. They if you really hear won, the Panthers talk about the rats, it's like, yeah, the glory year, a run. <laughs> the Red Mile, yeah. all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah true run. It's yeah. like they just won four games. Yeah, in a row against the greatest regular season team in history. And then got kaputzed the next Who round. Who did they lose to? I can't remember. Yeah, they lost. It doesn't his... matter. Yeah. Probably the Isles, actually. Yeah, that feels sounds very right. on brand. Yeah, that feels about right. So, <laughs> it's like the Isles are like, literally the only team we could beat. So I think amongst, if we're going to power rank the most fascinating stories in the NHL this year, how high is Babs back in the league to you? It's up there. I mean. No question. Far, okay, until... Until Austin Matthews puts pen to paper, that is still oh, a storyline. Well, I mean, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. That matters by far the most of anything in the league, for sure. And uh, but honestly, like I'm just trying to think, right? Like McDavid had his goal year yeah. last year. Like that was kind of the sexy storyline I was watching. And again, feel like a genius for jumping on him at plus seven fifty to win the Rocket last year. Uh, but that was like the big storyline of is he gonna have his year where he just decides actually I'm a goal scorer too and I'm gonna go I'm gonna go win it. I'm trying to think of other things. I mean, obviously, like we're here in Toronto, Leafs are always super mm-hmm. intriguing. These young Atlantic Division teams, but just in a singular this person, this place, yeah, it has to be Babs, especially when I'm he thinking- comes through. Like I haven't looked at the schedule or anything, but it's oh, like he's going to have a rip through and it'll probably be Montreal and Ottawa and Toronto Can I and back to Detroit. And- Montre- Let's look that up. Toronto schedule. Can I tell you the absolute media clinic that he's Babs gonna is going to put on oh. when he gets here? He, he is going to be... You know who should be studying game tape that day? 
presuming he is still the side coach. Sheldon Keefe. No, I Sheldon Keefe. The thing Keefe never does that is, Babs did. Shut up. And I was waiting for Babs <laughs> to do it in the middle of our interview to just be like, okay, All right, good job, guys. That's good talk. <laughs> he was the king of that. And the amount of times. Okay, guys, see a trouble safe. Gordon and I would be doing the post game last year and we take Sheldon Keefe live. And the amount of times that he gave such a definitive, like, it's like, all right, well, you know, you pack it up and we got a practice day tomorrow and then we'll get back at it. And it was just the most definitive, like, should be the end of the conversation. And then, no. you know, old Dave McCarthy or somebody's like, actually, one more. And he's like, okay, sure. Like, he goes like, so he does like 13 minutes in the morning skate and he, then does like 14 posts. just, he stands there until they're out of questions. It's, it's crazy. remarkable. It's crazy. There's no coach in the league that does that. No. There's no coach in the league that does it. We done, like, how often John Cooper sour? We done here? <laughs> Two minutes, he gets up yeah. and he leaves. Um, the Columbus Blue Jackets return, they or return, I guess. They come to Toronto December 14th on well, Christmas what season. day is that? Uh, that is a December 14th. It doesn't say here, but that is not. I, I can guarantee it won't be a Saturday night. I uh, will right? pull it up right now. December 14th. That's a Thursday night. Ooh, it's still, it's getting close that's to the a, weekend. That's a, that's, a, that's a marquee game. I can tell you, Babs has been getting paid a lot of money mm-hmm. for a long time. Yep. There will be some cash on the board with Babs. Babs, Are you allowed to do that as a coach? Well, remember, Ron Wilson got in trouble for handing Carl Gunderson 100 bucks after they beat the Sharks. Yeah. I think, which is the, that is still my favorite. It's like, they got to find the lease for that because it's like, that's cap circumvention. It's like, if they wanted to do it, uh, it wouldn't be with a bill. It would be in a sack of money because yeah. that's how much they have. Um, yeah, they'd be calling a Swiss bank yeah. to get that money. <laughs> but here's your tracking number, old yeah. gunner. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's going to be a circus. There's yeah, I no question. Wait. Like, there's, like he is going to come in here. He is going to blow V8. He is going to oh, be. Oh, God, I hope we have the game. I hope we have it so bad. I, I'm saying, like, when is a... Mid-December, Thursday, Columbus, Blue Jackets. Never, literally never. Uh, Leafs game. Been high in the Toronto media draft, but it's going to be high. That that's is. A, it's a must-see event that to is, have Babs back that, in town. You want to talk about. And bah. I think it's a big test for their players because it's like, how hard are you? Well, I mean, the Blue Jackets always beat the Leafs, so yeah. they'll win anyway. But uh, it's, like, it's a big test for the players. They should tell Mitch Marner it's a next-gen game. They should be like, <laughs> Mike Babcock is actually nine years old. You should try to impress him. I think it says more about the Leafs, how they play in that game, than it does about the Columbus. I'm getting my takes off. <laughs> Get ready for my, this is early. You're giving a pre-take for the December yeah, yeah. 15th Write this show. one down. But if the Leafs dog it in that game, <laughs> you better believe Kip being borny and there's going to be some takes. Like, okay. You can't, you don't care enough to oh, stick it to the it. guy who made a list about you. I love it. Yeah. Oh, Matthews is like, I don't care enough about anything. Yeah, he's yeah. like, I'm rich. I got... 150 million for two years. I don't care. <laughs> uh, the, they just gave me the Coyotes as collateral <laughs> on this contract, actually. Yeah. Oh, boy. All right. Fun times. Uh, uh, I honestly cannot wait. You want to sneak in a couple? Uh, we should get some more hockey-style texts because yeah. they're uh, they're very, very good. I can't remember if we read this one on air, but just Cooper Alls. Somebody said Cooper Alls would be bad style. Disagree. You show up to, like, a skate that I'm in wearing Cooper Alls. I love you. Uh, yeah. But you're catching a, a chart from me. Of course, like of course. But, like, but it's like it's six Cooper Alls Kip. Yeah, because <laughs> they were. Kip- would they were- I? Would I go? Would I go Herb Ragland just with a full <laughs> half cage visor? We still got to go to Herb Ragland's uh, butcher shop, butcher in Peterborough. In Peterborough. Yeah. yeah, we should have stopped when we were on our way to uh, Black Bear Ridge a year um, ago today. We played that place a year ago today. Yeah, God, time flies. Sure does. This is a really niche one mm. from Tim in Peterborough. 
He always puts his last name, and I don't want to read his last name on air. Okay. But I always feared playing a guy in, in hockey whose <laughs> socks did match. They were always great. Why is that so true? It is wild, right? But it's like it's because it's like ah, they don't care don't about care anything cares. other than dusting you at hockey. Yeah. That's all I care about. I don't care about looking of, good. A lot of good hands from mm-hmm. that guy. That guy usually has uh, really, really good hands. So keep those tacks coming in. We oh, will read, read some more after one. shy. Get it in for sure. I used to rock the three finger mission gloves. Most comfortable mitts. Has a, has a player or has a brand ever made you think of a player the way Mission Hockey makes me think of Owen Nolan? Oh, I was going to go Alan McCall. Okay, that was the other one yeah. on my head there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Traded for each other. So very fitting. Yeah, that's, yeah. Three finger, I don't, three finger glove Mission. I don't even, I do not remember these. I don't either. Uh, mission. Very cool helmet. I remember that was always my thing. Mission and rollerblades. Hot in roller the street blades. there for a while. I don't know what era that was. Owen like, Nolan. That's does, the era. Does they still, Just called Owen do they Nolan. still exist? I don't think so. Mission. Yeah, they were they were big. And they had like a really bright stick. Yep. The era of the point. God, yeah. has anything ever been cooler? Uh, that is that is the ultimate oh. version of was it cool or was I look eight? At these. Look, uh, at, look at those. Those are horrendous. Wow. We are looking at the three-finger <laughs> mission gloves. That is a tough Terrible look. Tough look. Tough look. Yeah. Uh, keep them coming. 590-590. Please include your name and location on the text line. I'm going to talk to Shai Davidi in a second. But before we do that... Calling all WWE fans. The WWE is returning to Toronto for Friday night SmackDown at Scotiabank Arena on August 18th. And we have a pair of tickets to give away. All you have to do is listen for today's code word and text it in to 590-590. Today's code word is body slam. Text body slam Ooh, to 590-590 for your chance to win. Please don't miss out on the action is Drew McIntyre and undisputed WWE tag team champion Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn take on Imperium in a six-man tag team match. Today is your last chance to win, so be sure to text us today's code word. Great code word, body slam. As soon as I saw it, I was like, that's hot. Uh, that, that one's getting through on the text line. A, a couple, lot of a couple body quick slams. ones. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, these dorks talking hockey on August 3rd is painful stuff. All right. Uh, you bet. I bet you, you do wordle, bud. Second, uh, guys who smell like laundry soap are always trash. <laughs> How dare this guy wash his gear? I don't disagree. I air mine out. Yeah. You air it out. Once in a while, I'll put the, the washable ones through the laundry. Yep. But, like, there ain't no laundry soap in the world that's getting no, the no, smell no. of that stuff. It's a hockey bag. <laughs> no, yeah. it's, it's just like, it's a ho- like. Shout out my buddy Donnie. Okay. Uh, he might be listening. He listens a lot. Stinky bag. No, or? his mom used to, like, wash his gear after every game. And wow. she'd put, like, uh, what are those things that you put in the dryer to make it smell good? Oh, like a dryer Bounty sheet? sheets yeah. or whatever. And his bag would always smell like flowers and wow. roses. But he had a good clapper, so he didn't stink. Okay, shout out Donnie. Yeah, there shout out go. Donnie. Keep him coming. 590-590 on the text line. Shout out to the Blue Jays. They won a game. They got three hits. They scored four runs. They got hit 100 times, walked a million. Congrats to them. Definitely congrats to Yusei Kikuchi. We'll talk to Shai Davidi about all that and more. We continue. It's Fan Morning Show on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. Diving deep into Leafs, Raptors, Jays, and NFL. The J.D. Bunkins Podcast. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Got the big thumbs up from my guy, Andrew. 
He still thinks I'm 97 years old. Get something, a little project for you tomorrow, and I want to be clear. playing all the boomer beats. No judgment. I have loved every single one of them. Check, check, check. You're checking all the boxes. Let's just dip our toe. We don't even have to go too far, but if we could just get into this century uh, to bring us back to break tomorrow, okay, I've got a thumbs up from him. And then I'm sure I'm going to complain about that because, honestly, there's no pleasing me. This pleases me. Shy Davidi is on the line right now. Hey, Shy. How's it going? All right. How's it going, guys? Doing well. Doing well. Doing well. The Blue Jays won, won a game. Uh, Sam so, McKee's so throwing his phone, phone all over the studio. He's so excited about it. Uh, but, yeah, the Blue Jays uh, won a game last night. We're all happy about that. But I don't think it was the uh, big exhale of the offense finally breaking through when it was, what, three straight walks, two hit-by-pitches, and an error that ended up uh, bringing in all the runs. Not exactly the way uh, John Schneider or, or a hitting coach would have drew it up. Shy, I think the Blue Jays are the only team that could have found a way to go 0 for 2 with runners in scoring position. <laughs> and score three runs in an inning. That was amazing. It, it uh, It's definitely not an inning you're going to see very often. No. And, and certainly not one that you're going to try and uh, replicate too often. But I think if you're the Blue Jays, what you take from that inning is you have a good approach and you keep pressure high on the opposing pitcher mm-hmm. and good things happen. And that's really what it was, right? The, the Blue Jays working strikes from Grayson Rodriguez. So they took their walks, uh, and then uh, Shintaro Fujinami came in, whose stuff is ridiculous, but it's uh, not not always sure where it's going. And then you know they end up he ends up hitting two guys, uh, and then Dalton Varsho puts the ball in the play, and then boots his way down the line, and uh, that leads to an error. So uh, the sort of the underlying process is good, and the results were unusual, uh, but they'll certainly take it. So I wanted to, a couple things I wanted to ask you about that inning was I thought the important part of that obviously was Vladdy and he's been scuffling big time. And you know, like with the, the story is well told about Vladdy, but to me, him fighting off how many, a hundred mile an hour heaters at the top of the zone that he fight off to eventually draw that walk to get him out of the game, to let Hyde bring in that guy that couldn't find the strike zone. That, to me, was the turning point in the game. It was a huge moment for the Jays. Yeah, absolutely. And it, the thing, too, is that those are pitches that – those are pitchers' pitches that he's fouling off, right? Um, and Vladimir Guerrero Jr. has that ability. He's that good. And, you know, to, to turn it off from a, from a – uh, from a breaking ball at 80-something to, to suddenly fouling off four straight at 100, I mean, that's a unique ability. And you're right, that was the thing that set up the inning. I mean, Brandon Belt had a good at-bat in advance of that, too, where, you know, basically the Blue Jays said, okay, you're not going to be in the zone. Well, we're not going to try to force the issue. We'll take walks. We'll pass the baton, and uh, the heat will be turned up every time you put somebody on base. And thing is once you get you once you create traffic you know there's an opportunity for things to happen obviously we know the issues the blue jays have had hitting with runners in scoring position all season long uh it's certainly been uh, an extreme version of that against the baltimore orioles this season where um, memory serves it's 14 for 89 uh across the across the the season series so far and you know you think about it, if there's like you know five extra hits in there, how many games are changing? And so uh, the fact that the Blue Jays had that approach, they employed it the right way, 
um, you know, they got rewarded for that. And, and that's what you think or that's what you trust will happen over time uh, over the course of 162 games. You mentioned turning up the heat there, Shy, and uh, I was turning up the heat watching Jordan Hicks work. I needed a cigarette after that. That was unlike anything I've seen in a Blue Jays uniform. Um, I don't know if the, what the question is here, but man, what an addition to a bullpen. Like that is electrifying stuff unlike I've ever seen and anyone's ever seen in a Blue Jays uniform. Yeah, I mean, uh, the other night was the he threw the, the hardest pitch in, in Blue Jays history. And, you know, the thing is, you know, with Nate Pearson, I mean, Nate Pearson can do that, but he's not there consistently at, at triple digits where Jordan Hicks sits in triple digits, which is what's, what's so incredible <laughs> about it, right? And obviously it was a bit of a messy uh, debut. He hadn't pitched in a couple of weeks. It was a, a no-leverage game, uh, certainly not the kind of thing that you brought him in for. Uh, and then last night was more of what you expect. And you're like, okay, that's why he's here. That's the role. Um, he's going through the heart of the Orioles lineup and, and he just cuts through them. And, and it, it's going to be a lot of fun to watch if he's, if he's in command like that. And really since the, the early part of the season, he'd experimented with, you know, throwing from the third base side of the rubber and that didn't go well. He moved back to the uh, first base side and he's been nails ever since. You know, the Blue Jays are counting on a lot more of that, and that's why they paid uh, what, what is uh, a pretty hefty price for him. So, you know, settle, settle an argument between us here. You know, McKee is ready to, he's ready to throw Jordan Romano overboard. He's like, get this bum out of here. I don't even need him closing games for me. Those are actually my exact words, I nailed it. But, you know, you understand where we're going with this. Romano is a proven closer. You know, you could say the same about Hicks. When you look at the stuff, as much as we all love Romano, nobody is going to sit here and tell you his stuff is better than Hicks. But we all know what the problems are with Hicks as well. And it's control. How do you see the Jays playing this out? I mean, my opinion on the matter is that as games get tighter, there's almost going to be two save situations in every game if it's going well. The one to get out of a you know potential jam for a starter and then another one at the tail end of the game. How do you see the Blue Jays kind of playing this out? And obviously Romano's health is going to have something to say about that. But even last night, it was Swanson who gets the save, even though Hicks came in in the higher leverage spot. Yeah, and... I think the Blue Jays will, uh, to some extent, uh, in terms of the the alignment to the ninth, just continue to look at all right, who's what, what's the right weapon of choice for for this pocket of hitters, and then plan accordingly. But I think Jordan Romano is going back to the ninth inning once he once he gets back, and will stay there as long as. Uh, as long as he's here. I mean, he's very clearly your closer, and I'm not sure that the Blue Jays are going to try to disrupt that. Uh, but what we won't see anymore are the days where he has to go three and four. and Or uh, he what was that stretch last week when he was at four and five. Yeah, you know, and, the, that, and the fifth he got up and got hot, yeah. <laughs> right, and that, that's the thing that's too much, right? And so the Blue Jays can protect him now. And so... There are going to be times where you're like, okay, we do not need to overdo it with Romano here. And now we've got Jordan Hicks. Or, and we don't have to do it with Eric Swanson, too. You know, like Eric Swanson, has, you see when he's got a reasonable amount of rest, how effective he is. <laughs> and he, that he, but he hasn't had to, he had been able to pitch that way very often. And he's just about at a career high for innings out of the bullpen. 
you don't want to rush that. I mean, it's a huge jump in his workload year to year. Uh, and there are times certainly where he's looked like he's out of gas. You know, think about that game in Los Angeles was definitely one of them. And so now you're better able to manage the workloads and just divvy up the heavy lifting. And so, you know, I expect the Blue Jays to do that. So, yeah, and they can't take Romano out of the – it occurred to me. They spent too much money on that intro. It doesn't hit the same on the in the eighth <laughs> inning, so they, they, have to, they have to stick with him in the ninth. Maybe they just set it on fire for Hicks. Yeah. Like, I don't uh, know. Uh, so, I just – one more bullpen thing for you, Shy. Is there any – the latest on Chad Green when he may be available to the Jays because I know he's Sam been, McKee's real closer. Yeah, well, I know he's been working his way back here. I know Ryu came back up and he was sort of on a little uh, shorter timeline than him. What's what's the latest on Chad Green? Yeah, I mean he's uh, still progressing, and I, I think there are a couple thresholds that he's going to have to pass. And you know, especially when you look at the pitching staff, the way that it's currently constituted, if, if they're sticking with that six-man rotation uh, for a little bit then you're going to need Chad Green to be able to go uh, back-to-back days. You're going to need him to potentially be able to go three and four. And so the Blue Jays are going to make sure and and test him probably at least on the back-to-back days thing uh, in the minor leagues before he comes up because – the you know the Blue Jays had a, a bullpen that was essentially a man short for a while when Mitch White was here and they can't really afford that at this point so I think that that those are the kind of thresholds that he has to pass obviously it's a different role and it's shorter stints uh, but that then Heian Jin Ryu but you need to be able to do the the you need to be able to distribute the workload in a bit of a different way. And for a guy coming off a very significant surgery, you want to make sure that he's ready for that. So obviously wrapping up a uh, very important series today, then they have another important one. I mean, they're, they're all important, let's be honest, but in the division specifically, so uh, against the Red Sox, you know, Fenway specifically has been a house of horrors. The AL East in general has been for, for this team this year. Uh, we expect uh, Manoa to get one of the starts this weekend, uh, specifically with him. What are you expecting from Alec Manoa? I mean, I know it's always a bit of a magic eight ball at this point in time. And, you know, I think with a guy like him, you could see a world where, I won't say the moment's too big for him, but the Red Sox are a, a strong hitting team and they could get to him, but I can also see Manoa kind of being spurned on by the big moment and having his back against the wall. Uh, What's your read on what to expect from him this weekend? I mean, he he continues to sort of make progress, right? You think about that outing against the angels and obviously ended with that frightening moment with Taylor Ward getting hit uh, in, in the face with the pitch, but that was a good outing until it hit that rough spot uh, at the end. And, if he's doing that, uh, pitching that way uh, against the Red Sox, then he's just going to be fine. And he was actually having a good outing against uh, the Red Sox in Boston before uh, he took that line drive off the leg. Uh, I believe it was Rafael Devers, if uh, memory serves, and it was at 100-plus, and he stayed in the game. And, uh, you know, maybe that wasn't necessarily the right call at the time because uh, he certainly had to make some adjustments in and around that you know, that outing unraveled a bit on him afterwards. So uh, if, if he, he, his slider has been better the past few starts, uh, his fastball command has been better the past few starts. If he can maintain that, then, you know, all the other stuff really falls into place. So you're right about it, it being a big series. It's, it's certainly been a, a weird year for the Blue Jays and the Red Sox. And we think about last year, they, they go 16 and three against the Red Sox. And, 
you take out the head-to-head between the teams, and the Blue Jays were only one better, one game better than the Red Sox against everyone else in baseball. So, essentially, they made the playoffs on the backs of that 16-3 and against Boston. Uh, and this year, that is reversed entirely the other way. So, um, it, will that normalize? Will that uh, will that start to re- go back or tilt back into the Blue Jays' end? You, you know, we'll see starting this weekend. Oh, and uh, Shai, just before we let you go, I thought you should know, um, you know, and this is normally your domain, but you're talking to a newsbreaker, not me, but Sam McKee exclusively reported yesterday that Jack Flaherty was going to be starting before yeah. that news came down. So just yeah. just letting you know, you you got some newsbreakers on the line here as well, Shai. <laughs> all right, all right. Well, hot tip, Sam McKee. Yeah, thank you. I, I texted my boy Brando, Hyde, you know, me and him go way back. So he, he told me that Flaherty was going to start. And by that, he means he looked at Jack Flaherty's game log and figured it had been a while since he pitched. So uh, there we go. Shai, thanks so much. Right for uh, taking the time. Really appreciate Thanks, it. Thanks, bud. Yeah, you got it, guys. See ya. I, I knew he would love that. that oh, was yeah, just he sounded thrilled. He was really happy about that. Uh, Jack Flaherty, your bestie. And and Brando. Brando Throwing Hyde. him on the mound there. Again, not Marlon Brando, uh, but Brando Hyde. You know why Brando's my best friend? Because he pitched that absolute gas can in the, <laughs> the sixth inning well, What's funny, right? We talk so much about narratives coming off the first half of that series, and it's like, ah, oh, they got these mutants coming out of the pen. And it's like, yeah, the narrative yesterday was the only bullpen arm they went out and added uh, could not hit the zone to save his life. The How only thing he could scary. hit is the Jays. Would it be being a batter stepping in against that guy? Yeah, I know. Horrifying because he throws so hard yeah. and then he immediately hits Chappie in the in the peach. Yeah. Right in the B-hole. Again, he's got a lot of padding. He'll be fine. It's a good place to wear it. But like that, that's got to hurt. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You, <laughs> that's got to hurt. Yeah, not going to feel good. Uh, so Gosman and Flaherty, they're on the bump today. 307 first pitch. Of course, you can listen right here on Sportsnet 59 of the fan. Sportsnet Radio Network. Stream it on Sportsnet and Sportsnet Now. I don't you don't got a good feeling. The matchup, no. Flaherty or Gosman? What, Gosman? What? I just feel like the last time that Gosman pitched against a really good lineup, who was his first starter of the break? Seattle. Was, was it a good was lineup? It Seattle. He gave up four runs. I thought it was Seattle. Right maybe it break, was maybe. Seattle. Yeah, it was in Seattle, yeah. and he got knocked around yeah. pretty good. He he grinded it out. I think he gave, gave him six innings still, but I think they hit like three home runs off of him. Mm-hmm. Just, I just, I'm not completely convinced that he's all the way healthy. Okay. And that concerns me. I was going to say, you should not be feeling the way about the guy who's going to be your one heading into the no, playoffs. He's, he's really good. Okay. But I just, I do. Okay. If, they, if health is the issue, then I can hear that. If, But yeah, if he's out there, uh, you need to be able to get something from him because that's the other part of it now. With Ryu, if health's an issue, maybe give him a little more time. I don't know. Uh, we, so yeah, I think I think one way or another, it's a very uh, interesting start coming out of that for uh, Gosman tonight. And then Flaherty, who knows what the, what they have there. He's been kind of up and down, but we know how how good the high end can be from him too. So Elliot Friedman with just a tiny piece of news. Ooh. Um, I'm just quickly Googling something here. Confirming? No. making Because there are no blue checks anymore. No, so I'm make te- sure it's I, not Elliot Friedman. No, I'm just quickly, you know, texting my sources okay. to see, to cooperate okay. with, no. Freege says that there's word this morning mm. that player agent Jeff Jackson oh. is joining the Edmonton Oilers in a president CEO type role. Mm. Specific, specific details to come later today. RIP my Leafs, Connor McDavid dream. That's Connor's agent, That's right? Connor's agent, yeah. Um, hey, Gary? You want to sniff around that one, pal? Yeah. That's, uh, that's not nothing. Like, if they're sniffing around Murray. Yep. 
get the get the hound dog on that one too. Yeah, I'm. Uh, yeah, that is one thousand percent his his agent there. So yeah, that's uh, that's not nothing. That's uh, if, uh, we already did something to chew on. Brought to you by our wonderful friends at Great Canadian Meats, but that'd be that'd be more than something. That's a meal. It's not chewing on it. That's, that's a meal. Uh, you know, depending on how this develops, that's borderline worth getting somebody on to talk about because. Ooh. I, Daniela's ears just perked He's up. like, a guest yes. idea. Oh my God, yes. That's I, not a baseball insider? I, I don't, I don't know what that means, really. I think it means Connor McDavid's going to sign a lifetime contract with the Edmonton Oilers. That's what that means. I guess, like, but he can't be his agent anymore. He's foregoing being Connor yeah. McDavid's agent. Yeah. Obviously. He's right. foregoing being a hockey agent. Yeah. The, he's good, the well, this is this Ken Hughes, right? Like Ken Hughes was yeah. an agent, got rid of his clients. So I guess now it's he's, clean. It's well, but, but there there's a massive difference between Ken Hughes and if you look at who his clients were, I'm sure some of them are in Montreal, but it's like the marquee ones were the Patrice Bergerons of the world. There were not guys connected to that market, whereas that is obviously a super direct line. And yeah, I don't know what the chicanery is there, but his biggest, uh, his biggest, because it's not guy, just McDavid. It's McDavid, think. and then he has to bring it. Yeah, Ekblad, Nathan Bastian, Quinton Byfield, and then it kind of kind of peters off. Yeah, he's got uh, William. Is it Villeneuve? For the oh Leaves? yeah, yeah. Yep. He's got that. Mac Hallowell, who's oh, now with our, the Rangers. Our guy. Remember, he was in the quarantine house, and we're like, he has to be yeah. good. And it's like, and, no, he was just there. And he also has Jamie Drysdale and Sam Gagne, who was a UFA. Jamie Drysdale is going to be very rich. Yes, uh, yes, he is. He's going to be a very, very good player. So I just think that is... Gordo's always talking him up whenever the twice a year we talk with the Ducks. I think this is extremely smart. Yep. <laughs> like, there's, it's hard. Like, he obviously has a unbelievable relationship with Jeff Jackson, Connor yeah, David. Of course. He's his agent. Yeah. Like, they're very tight. Yeah. There's no question. And making him the president of the team is painfully smart. Yeah, and it, really it hurts is. my feelings. Oh, it hurts my feelings so much. Yeah, it like, really does. Here comes another. This is you know what like, this he's going to send another eight year like he'll sign an eight year seven hundred and fifty thousand yeah. dollar contract for the rest of his career. You in reading that to me was when I read to you that you were doing the morning show at the end of the week on Friday. <laughs> I've been it was exa- this week. No, you have. You've been great. Well, I mean, it's you less still daunting. You still won't let me talk to you before six a.m. It's just less daunting only having to do it for three days, okay. right? Like you can look, you can count them down. It's less daunting. Okay, so when you're back, as we found out later in the summer, uh, it'll be a little different. It'll be a little different. But I will say that uh, tomorrow, yeah, in this exact time, oh, we will be doing shoutouts. So, oh, okay. So get so ready for get, that. Get it in. Well, once I no, get it in, yet. don't gum up the the text line. But, but no, yes. no, no, who's getting a shout out right now? If we're doing shout outs, body slam. Yeah, a lot of body <laughs> That's slam who's on getting the text the line. Uh, I did want to sneak in a couple more hockey style texts oh, that I've uh, compiled love here. It. So we did have the one Cooperalls, but I thought this was a very specific iteration of it. Mm. And I also wanted to shout out the town Dundalk. Uh, might be Dundas with no, a no. typo. No, that's a real town. That's in my neck of the woods. Oh, okay. Well, that's about. If, that's about. I'd say forty minutes. It's south of hometown. If your dad knows a guy named Gene who used to wear Cooperalls under his goalie pads for a season of Adam hockey, uh, then that's uh, maybe your dad's man. I don't know. But, uh, yeah. Gene Dun- and Dundalk. Dundalk's hell of a town. Okay. Uh, how about the style on um, this field blasphemous to call it that, but the Doug Gilmore with the Jersey side that's tuck? Gretzky. Yeah, I think, yeah. I think Wayner owns that one. I will say, because like, I hate. When I accidentally, my jersey's accidentally tucked. Yeah. I hate the look. It's rough. Never liked you it. You need to be, I will only accept it. Does anyone it. tuck anymore? I have a bud. 
No, but like in the league. Oh, uh, I is don't there think any so. Tuckers? No, they're all because so, it's all so form fitting. Yeah, it's sleek. true. Sleek. It's true. No one's no one's like give no, me the XL. Yeah, no one's got the Theo Flurry out there looking like they're swimming in their dad's jersey. Well, a lot of stuff. Uh, that was uh, yeah. Oh, believe me, uh, that's Joe from Oshawa. There, uh, Eric in Georgetown had the white Fedorovs. Never been chirped more in my life. You have to eat the chirps. But There's they no are great way wheels. Eric in Georgetown, who is my boy. Oh. Had those. Oh, okay. He's meeting potatoes hockey. I can't okay. picture him having... Calling a liar. No, I, I'm not... I, I ain't calling cap, as the kids would say. <laughs> it's too much kid slang yeah. for me here. I'm feeling but 100. But he is... He's a stay-at-home meat and potatoes kind of defenseman that jumps up once in a while, but known to snap one low so blocker. You're, you're telling me it would be like watching Radko Gudis wearing the Fedorovs. He's got some Radko Gudis. He has a massive beard. Okay, too. so, so he's got some, like some Gudis to his game. Uh, last one. But he would fight. Well, okay. <laughs> I'll just say that. <laughs> I'll just say that. Last one. Ross for Mimico. Four to five inches of white tape around the ankles straight out of 1970. Yeah, ankles taped. It's tough. tough. It's really tough. Uh, Just figure it out. Get some stronger ankles. I don't know what the exercises are, but uh, figure it out so they're not bending so much. McKee, love this. I'll see you in, uh, I don't know, about an hour's time uh, when we're uh, we're teeing it up together. Uh, You've taken your headphones off, so you're done talking to me uh, today. Apparently, I'm finding that out now. Fan Morning Show, it's been a blast. Good job, Daniele. Good job, your guy, Andrew. Uh, Big shout to Herm Edwards and Mike Babcock specifically, but all our wonderful guests today. Keep on listening. J.D. Bunkus coming up next with J.D. Bunkus Podcast on Sportsnet 590 The Fan.